Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Uh, the reading for today is from 2 Peter 1, verses 1 to 11. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who, through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. How are we? Are we alive, awake, alert, enthusiastic? Okay. For anyone that's been to the CCC weekend away, you know that we sing uh, alive, awake, alert, enthusiastic. We're not going to do that now, but if you come to the weekend away in May, you will get an opportunity to sing that song. Wonderful. Well, with the, with the dawn of another trip around the sun and another new year comes new intentions, comes new starts, comes new resolutions. And uh, I'm not going to ask if you mean any or not because it would make for an awkward conversation whenever I ask, have you broken it yet? But <laughs> man, many resolutions are little over a week old right now. Many will have already been broken and many more are going to go this week. <laughs> what, a, what, 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 a way, what a way to kick off, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we, we put it in the gutter and things will go up from here, I promise. <laughs> New Year's re- resolutions all reveal that we all want to grow in some way or we all want to grow in some form. Uh, we all desire change, well, whether it's our diet, maybe it's learning a new skill, perhaps it's more exercise, maybe it's quitting smoking, maybe it's dropping weight, maybe it's reading more. Whatever the resolution, it all reveals within us this desire to grow. We've all got this innate desire within us to grow. And the problem is that we think that we can all grow by ourselves. And whenever we strive for growth in any area, we begin to feel the pressure pretty quickly because, well, whenever I succeed or whenever we succeed, well, we become proud. We, um, we see ourselves as the architects of our own success. Our ego gets inflated. We get puffed up. We're doing great. Eight days into the new year, I'm doing class. This is great. It's all on me. Or maybe another hand, whenever we fail, we get deflated. We're tempted to pack things in, begin to settle for less. We begin to ponder why we keep on failing eight days until the new year and have failed already. 
It's the same as last year, same as the year before. I'm rubbish, I'm useless, I can't do this. You know, written over 2,000 years ago, Peter kind of addresses this challenge in the book of 2 Peter. And you know, it's been the very same for every person in human history, whether it's in 2 Peter or whether it's today in 2023. I very, very nearly said 2022. It's the same challenge for every generation. How can we grow sustainably in such a way without giving up and without becoming proud? So over the month of January, we're going to be exploring the book of 2 Peter. And then Peter's last letter written shortly before his death at the hands of the Romans, Peter knew his time was coming to an end. And he begins his letter with a call to growth. And I wonder if you think about it right now, if you knew your time was coming to an end in a few months' time, perhaps this year, and you were going to write one final letter, what are you going to encourage your church? What are you going to encourage your friends, your family with? Peter encourages them with this call to growth. So how do we grow in every area of our lives without giving up and without becoming proud? And this is Peter's answer. In Christ, all of God's resources are ours, given to grow a faith that will last. Yeah, point it forward. There we go. Okay, wonderful. Guys, do you want to do, do the clicker for me? Not working for me today. So how do, we, um, how, how do we grow in every area of our lives? In Christ, all God's resources are ours, given to grow a faith that will last. Wonderful, Mihai. Good man. Very good. New Year's resolution should be mafia. You should learn the clicker. <laughs> you know, today we're going to come to see that God gives us everything that we need so that we don't have to rely on ourselves. We'll come to see that we can take small steps to grow so that we don't need to feel overwhelmed. And we're going to come to see that our growth assures us, assures us of our election so that we can receive a rich welcome. So God gives us everything we need so that we do not have to rely on ourselves. As we work through these opening 11 verses of 2 Peter, this word knowledge appears four times in 11 verses. Verse 2, verse 3, verse 5, verse 8. And it's this knowledge of God and of Jesus that actually appears 16 times in the three chapters. So whenever something like that appears so many times in such a short space of time, we've got to look and see why. What is this actually saying? And there are, however, two Greek words used for knowledge. Now, I don't speak Greek, but from what I've read, there's two Greek words that are used for this word knowledge. There's a common word that's gnosis, a general knowledge. It's gained by experience. But then there's this other word for knowledge that Peter begins to employ here straight away. It's this word epignosis. It's a full knowledge, a total knowledge, an ultimate knowledge, a complete knowledge. And so straight away, Peter is saying that both grace and peace come to us through the full knowledge of God and of Jesus. These blessings become ours as we get to know God intimately. So if you want to grow as a Christian, there's going to be this clear link to knowledge not just the general knowledge knowing about God, but rather this full knowledge actually knowing God. So there's a great difference in just knowing about God and actually knowing God. Many people know lots about God without ever knowing God intimately. And so the temptation at this point for you and I is to think, well, you know what, I'm, I'm not that smart. Or I'm, I'm more practically minded. I don't, I don't know enough, but look, but look at how this link is bridged in verse 3. Look what verse 3 says. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Do you see that? His divine power has given us everything we need. 
Peter makes it clear the foundation for growth is God's power and God's grace. God gives us everything we need to grow. So whenever Mafe sets his New Year's resolutions or, or whenever I decide to give up something for Lent, perhaps, I find I get a few days in and then I fail. I have mastered failure. You want to master in failure that can do a 20-minute TED Talk, I'm your man. Whether it's wanting to give up speaking in a particular way, maybe it's giving up chocolate, giving up sugar. Maybe as a teenager, it was, it was quitting the, the, the rude joking, the coarse language. I found I couldn't help but fail. And here's the thing, it was not through a lack of knowledge. I knew what I needed to do. I knew what I had to do. I knew what I had to avoid. I knew I actually wanted to grow. But I needed more than steps. I needed help. I needed help so that I could do what I knew I should be doing. And the problem here isn't that we lack knowledge. The problem isn't that we lack knowledge. The problem here is that we seem to lack the power to do what we need to do. And here Peter is telling us that it is God's divine power in us that gives us everything we need for a godly life. It's not Matthew trying harder. It's not following a set of craft or carefully crafted steps. Godliness comes about by plugging directly into the power source. And here's where the rubber hits the road for many of us. We all want to grow. We all want to grow in many different ways. But so often we focus on changing the external circumstances without ever considering what needs to change on the inside. Whenever the, 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 the coarse talk comes around or the rude joke comes around, Matthew focuses on biting his lip instead of saying what he wants to say. Focusing on the external without ever considering what it is that's going on in the heart that's causing Matthew to want to speak in this way. We often focus on the external we apply, apply these external changes and hope that's going to do the work. You know, Steve introduced me to this quote a few years ago by the Russian writer Leo Tolstoy. Everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. First time I heard that, I thought, man, oh man, if only I heard that 15 years before. Either external to ourselves, this kind of out, out there in, in the world, uh, if only that would change, then everything would be better. Or external growth in us, maybe it's the health or the diet, or in my case, my language. Both avoid the character growth. Both avoid the internal growth. Both involve and avoid spiritual growth. But yet Peter is saying here that, that it is his, it is God's divine power that has given us everything we need for life and godliness. But it's through what? Look at verse 3, second half. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And this is important. We grow by getting to know God. Our focus is on knowing God, not on growing. Our focus is on knowing God, not growing. I used to stand at my, my granny and granda's house. They had a, a TV up on the wall. And under the stand, I could stand in nicely. <clears throat> so I would have went in every few months and stood, got my height taken, and obviously, you, you've seen yourself looking at me. I haven't grown a huge amount. But I stood in, got my height taken, went back a couple of months later wondering, flip me, why am I still the same height? I was always the same height. I was always the same height. I was focusing on growing. I forgot about it for a few years. Went, went to go back. And honestly, maybe four or five years later, I turned around and, and I realized I'm the same height as a TV. I totally forgot all about it. And I, I looked down and I could still see the pencil marks. 
could still see the pencil marks, four or five of them. And man, oh man, Mafia had grown about a foot. Now, that is over a course of a lot of years. But nevertheless, Mafia had stopped focusing and growing. They let go of that, they'd forgotten about it. Had Mafia have been focusing and growing, what would them four years, five years have looked like? So we won't grow by trying to grow. We're gonna grow by getting to know God. But you know, it's not growth for the sake of growth. It's not self-discipline for the sake of self-discipline. There's a purpose attached to it. You wanna see the purpose? Look with me at verse four. Through these, through these resources, he has given us his very great and precious promises. And look at this. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Church, this should be a really, really great comfort to us. Not only do we have to rely, not only do we not have to rely on our own strength, but by, by growing in Christ, he will bless us with the privilege of partnering with him and participating in the divine nature. You know, whenever God saved us, for those of you that love and follow Jesus, whenever God has saved you by faith in his promise, he begun to dwell in you. And therefore you possess the nature and the spirit of God within you. God's spirit in you manifests the likeness of God. And because of that, he also gives you the power to overcome or to escape the temptations of lust, temptations of power, temptations to make it in this world, the temptations to, to put yourself first before others, the temptations to be number one. So to maintain a holy life in this world, we must learn to hold fast to God's prophetic promises that are found in his word. In Christ, all of God's resources are ours, built to grow a faith that will last. So if, if we deeply know God, if we've got this intimate, this personal relationship with God himself, we're going to grow to be like him. Because God gives us everything we need so we don't have to rely on ourselves. And that should be a comfort to us. And not only do we not have to rely on ourselves, but we can also then begin to take some small steps to grow. And whenever we begin to take some small steps to grow, we, well, we, we don't need to be overwhelmed. And it, it might sound like a bit of a contrast, but hear me out. If we don't have to rely on ourselves, but then we do take some small steps to grow. But it doesn't make us passive. It doesn't make us lazy. In fact, Peter then gives us a series of steps that we can take if we are to grow. And the thing is, in, in our culture, our culture wants nothing more than seven steps to grow, or six ways to succeed, or ten keys for success. We're living in a, a self-help epidemic. Books are being churned out on this stuff time after time. Our culture gobbles it up, all with a view to external impressiveness, external growth. And remember, this is Peter's last letter. His last opportunity to impart God's wisdom and God's word to a bunch of scattered churches. And what does he provide? Well, it couldn't be further from what our culture deems as impressive. Instead, he intentionally calls people to internal growth in Christ. Externally, they're going to be no more impressive. Externally, they're going to be no more different. Peter says we're to supplement our faith. And so what he means is, if we are really dependent on God's power to give us everything that we need, 
then this must work itself out in practical ways. We must rely on God's resources if we're going to grow. And whenever we rely on God's resources, then we're going to take some practical steps to grow. So Peter begins to list some of these steps here. He lists them like a chain. It's really a sketch of the, of the character that God produces in us as we grow. And he, he begins to list seven virtues that will be true of us as we grow. It's so goodness, moral excellence. We change from the inside out. Here we go. Moral excellence, we change from the inside out. We will never stumble into holiness. We'll never by accident grow to become more like Christ. You know, it doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen inevitably. If we fail to add virtue or, or goodness to our faith, then our faith will very soon become like what James described as dead faith. James chapter 2, dead faith. Its vitality, its productivity will disappear. And you know, we'll become no different from the unbeliever. We'll no longer be the salt and the light that Jesus spoke of at the Sermon on the Mount. And to goodness, add knowledge, growth in our knowledge of God. This is the other Greek word for knowledge. This, this isn't uh, epignosis, this is gnosis. Here's the wisdom and the discernment which a Christian needs for, for a virtuous life. And it's gained progressively, it's something that's gained by experience. This is something that we're to add on. In other words, we do not stop pursuing God through his word once we know a little bit about him. Instead, we build on that knowledge. Whereas the gospel doesn't just rescue us from our past sin and then we leave it there, but rather the gospel is to be applied to every single area of our lives on an ongoing basis. We don't just use the gospel to get the golden ticket to get to heaven, but rather the gospel transforms our lives on an ongoing basis from the inside out. And to knowledge we add self-control. The ability to restrain ourselves from sinful desires. You know, there's a huge gap between what we know and our actions. And self-control is going to bridge that gap. Even the notion of restraining ourselves uh, from any desire in our culture is seen as really crazy. But yet, we rightly lament the figures of violence against women. I just saw on RT News this past week, the, the figures in 2022 of, of uh, violence against women in Ireland is huge. It's incredible. So in one sense, society uh, criticizes people for, for restraining their desires, but yet at the same time, society is lamenting violence against women. More often than not, because of a lack of restraint of desire. So in one sense, everyone agrees that there's a problem, but on, on the other hand, on the other hand, no one really wants to restrain desire. But in a society where self-control is not seen of any great value, is it little wonder that we hear of such abuse and such evil when it comes to violence against women? And to self-control, we add, we add steadfastness or perseverance. <coughs> to stay faithful for not just a short time, but over the long haul. I want to tell you, this is something that every single one of us are going to need if you want to live as a Christian in a, in a secular society, steadfastness, perseverance is needed. And to steadfastness or to perseverance, we add godliness, living a godly life. And to godliness, we add brotherly affection or mutual affection. And that ties in really closely to the last 
the virtue that ties them all together, love, the virtue that sums up all the other ones. Love comes at the end because it's meant to encompass all of these. And you know, Peter is telling us to make steps to add these to our lives. And so growth takes cooperation. God provides us with all the resources, but it, it requires our cooperation. You see what Peter is saying in verse 5? Verse 5, Peter is saying, for this very reason, make every effort. But we don't need to be overwhelmed. If we go all the way back to the top, we're given this pattern. We deepen our knowledge of God. And then with the resources that he gives, we can gradually grow in these virtues in our lives. Do you see the the pattern here? And so which of these do you want to grow in most this year? Maybe not, not as a sneaky New Year's resolution that I'm trying to force you into, but which of these is burning in your heart? Which of these do you know that you want, to, that you know that you need God to do a deep work in you this year? Is there one of these that is standing out? That you know that, that this is something that you're lacking in, that you know that if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus this year, that you need this? Want to... Goodness, I've went well on ahead. There we go. Quote by Martin Lloyd-Jones. Faith grows when the pressures of this world are confronted with the truth of God's word. When this is done with patience and diligence, the Christian will not be as prone to fall away and will begin to grow and enjoy the Christian life with abundance wonder what pressures in the world are confronting you right now. Maybe it's conformity to the gender debate. And if so, we can add brotherly affection. Maybe it's integrity in the workplace toward colleagues. We can add godliness. Perhaps it's sexual temptation. We can add self-control. You know, the Christian life is like power steering in a car. If you know anything or even nothing about, about vehicles, I want to tell you this. Power steering is derived from the engine. The fact you can turn your steering wheel so easily is because of the power in the engine. Don't ask how. That is how it is. <laughs> the engine provides the power for the steering, but the driver must actually turn the wheel. And maybe some of you have grown up, Pat probably, in a car with no power steering. Sorry, Pat. <laughs> I've driven a few cars with no power steering. Sharon has as well. I wasn't going to point Sharon out, but there you go. I've driven a few cars with no power steering. And whenever you don't have any power steering, it requires a serious amount of work in the arms. So if you wonder why, why young men's arms are feeble nowadays, it's because <laughs> they've grow, grown up with power steering. Whenever you don't have power steering, it is so much harder to turn the wheel. Now, Here's a challenge for anyone that's going to drive home. Before you turn the car on, try to turn the wheel. It's going to be very heavy. That's, that's what it feels like with no power steering. Why am I saying this? So the Lord provides the power to run our lives, but we must turn the wheel. Have you ever tried to turn the wheel when the car wasn't turned on? Ever tried to drive with no power steering? It's overwhelming. It's tough. It's hard. It's not how it's meant to be. But we can take these small steps so that it doesn't have to be overwhelming. You look with me at verse 8. 
It says, for if you possess these qualities in an increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge. And there's that word again of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, it doesn't say if you possess these qualities in perfect measure. Church, we do not need to be perfect. We can take a deep breath. We do not need to be perfect. We just need to stay close to Jesus and then to make every effort to add these virtues to our lives. And the result is fruitfulness. Our lives will begin to bear fruit for Christ. And there's a tension that we're feeling. How do we grow? We don't grow on our own. That could never work. Rather, we, we, we grow by relying on the resources that God makes available to us. But then we're to make every effort to add these virtues to our lives, to take small steps to grow. And there, there's a bit of a tension here. So how do we grow? Is it by relying on Jesus or is it by working hard? I want to tell you, yes. Yeah, it's both. We grow by relying on what God has given us. And then with what God has given us, we take steps to grow. And verse 9 starts with a but. So there's, there's an element to this. It's not, it's not just a happy, great verse. If we possess these qualities in increasing measure, we will bear fruit. There is a but. There's a warning that's attached to this. There's a warning to those who don't or to those who aren't growing in these qualities. Peter says, as nearsighted and blind, forgetting they've been cleansed from their past sins. So those content for their faith to plateau. Uh, or, or those who've forgotten what Christ has achieved for them on the cross, there is a warning for you today. They'll be able to explain why, why Jesus has gone to the cross, but they'll not have truly grasped the significance of how they have been made new in Christ. You know, Jesus' atoning death on the cross has shown that it is he and he alone who has the power to bring us to God. That it's his once-for-all sacrifice that's atoned for our sins entirely, we have added and can add absolutely nothing to it. But one of the biggest hindrances to growing in Christ is a short-sightedness or a forgetfulness toward the cross and toward, toward what Christ has achieved for you. See that cross? The cross is a power. The cross is a motivation to grow. The cross is the why behind the what. If there's one thing that prevents me from trying to please God through my own strength and through my own actions. It is the cross. God is already pleased in me. God's already pleased in Matthew. Why? Well, it's because it's, it's a cross, because of, it's Christ, because of what Christ has done on the cross. God already sees me as his son. Why? Because of Christ, because of what Christ has done on the cross. God has already cleansed me. Why? Because of what Christ has done on the cross. Do you see that? I have added absolutely nothing to it. You have added absolutely nothing to it. If you love and follow Jesus today, he is pleased in you. He sees you as his son or daughter. He has already cleansed you fully. And it's not because of anything you have ever done. It's all because of what Christ has done on the cross. So if there's one thing that prevents you from trying to please God through your actions, it's knowing this. God, Jesus has done it all for you. So whenever we begin to shift our focus from the cross onto our own growth, we begin to create space for an idol to take center stage. We don't grow in Christ by focusing on our own growth. We grow in Christ by relying on him and then taking small steps. But if we've shifted the focus away from Christ on the cross to what we are doing, we create this space for the little idol and the little idol is called me. 
I take these steps and I become proud because I'm great, I'm succeeding, I'm doing well. I take these little steps and I fail and I become a failure, full of self-pity. But yet I'm still the idol. But whenever we grow in Christ by relying on him and taking small steps, with that we have a deep assurance. And it is this, that our growth assures us of our election so that we can receive a rich welcome. I want to tell you how. It's by standing in your faith and pressing on to goodness, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly affection and love. You know, John tells us, we know that we have passed from death to life. How? Because we love each other. So how do we know that our growth assures us of our election? Well, look at what John is saying. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. The confirmation of election is progress and sanctification. You want assurance? You want assurance that you are Christ's and he is yours? It is progress and sanctification. Look at who you once were and look at who you now are. The reassuring evidence of election is the increasing measure of Christ-likeness in our lives. So cultivating these seven virtues will make God's calling and choosing of them clearer to everyone. You want to be known as a, a, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. I wonder what it looked like to maybe ask some of your colleagues, do, do I look like somebody who follows Jesus? For some of you, people say, yeah, absolutely. You don't stop talking about him. You act in a certain way that other people don't. You, you, you went and took the blame for that whenever you didn't really need to. You refuse to join in on the conversations and the joking. Um, you, you're honoring the person that the rest of us don't. Or maybe for others, they'll say, well, I, I don't know. didn't really know you're a Christian. It's, well, you kind of keep that to yourself. By cultivating these seven virtues and by relying on God's resources, you can be sure that in Dublin City, people will know that you are a follower of Jesus. Because in Christ, all of God's resources are ours, given to grow a faith that will last. And so in these early stages of the year, let's resolve to grow deeper in the knowledge of Christ, that we might become more like him for the sake of a watching city. You know what, the city, your colleagues, people may not be asking all the questions, but they're still watching. And you know what they're watching? They're watching you. They're watching me. So how can we grow in such a way that means we do not give up and we do not become proud? We need to understand that God gives us everything we need so that we don't have to rely on ourselves. And so we have the freedom then to take small steps to grow so we don't need to feel overwhelmed. And we get to know deeply that our growth assures us of our election so that we can receive a rich welcome. I want to invite the band back up and I'm going to pray and, uh, and Steve's going to lead us in communion. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that your word has power, that it is living and it is active. 
It is sharper than a double-edged sword. And this morning on the 8th of January, we come and we sit under your word. And as we do that, I pray that your word would dwell in us richly, that it would not leave us the same. God, we thank you that in Christ, all your resources are ours. And Lord, I pray that you would help us look to you. May we grow deeper in knowledge of you. May our relationships with you be intimate. May they be deep. May they be life-giving. May they be full of vitality. And as they are this year, Lord, would you help us take some small steps to grow? As, they, as, as we remain and rely on you, I pray that you would bring to light some of these areas in, into which uh, we need to take some small steps. And I pray that by your grace, you would enable us to, Jesus, in your name. Amen.